All right, so I've got my coffee, and I am officially ready to go. Welcome into the uh, program, wherever you are out there in this beautiful world. Uh, I, we thank you for finding us today, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This is For the Win. Uh, I am Eric Winalda coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here in um, gorgeous, again, gorgeous Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, the beautiful Win Hotel Resort and Casino. Lots of wacky stuff going on. Now, today's show is pretty much going to be mostly Vegas-centric because there's just a lot going on. Uh, let me catch you up on everything else that we might get to at, at the end of this podcast, but I've got uh, my good friend Hercules Gomez joining me uh, in just a flash here. Uh, he's going to catch us up on his life. Uh, he's got two kids, which makes him a rookie to me. I've got six. I'm going to ask him about... Uh, Man-to-man and zone defense. Let's see Let's see how he feels about that. But Ronald Koeman is out at Barcelona. It looks like they're after Xavi, but there's some weird stuff going on there. They're going to have to buy him out of his contract with his current team, and uh, that could get kind of sticky. He is uh, working in Qatar at the moment. Manchester United, are, is, is, is Gunnar going to make it through the weekend? If he has, if he has a, uh, a poor result, is that going to be it? For the super sub, I don't know. And then here's the other wacky stuff. Bayern gets absolutely thrashed, 5-0, in the German Pokal, which is their, their cup, by Gladbach. 5-0, though. I don't know. Did they start Oktoberfest a little early? It's, I mean, what, what happened? I mean, that's, there's, there's a lot of questions uh, out there. I, my, my ex-teammate and buddy Max Abel is probably celebrating that, uh, who he runs, uh, Gladbach. Good, good dude. I've been out to see him a few times. Even throughout the pandemic, I could go out to Mitch and Gladbach and see what's going on out there. Unbelievable place. But, wow, they thrash. Bayern West Ham knocks out Manchester City in the Caribou Cup. Now, they, that's ending their four-year run as champions of that competition. And then, of course, Zach Steffen was their goalkeeper, the American. So who are we blaming for that? Of course we're going to blame... The American goalkeeper, when you, you know, when, when you lose, when you finally lose in a competition like that. If you watch the game, penalty kicks, just wasn't the best, uh, the best of games. And the, I guess the last part is uh, Bruce Arena, man. He just keeps doing it. Whether you like him or not, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's, he's got the formula of what it takes to win in Major League Soccer. And the New England Revolution have set an MLS points record with their most recent win over the uh, Colorado Rapids. And guess what? They got more games to go i got to look this up. I, th- I think he actually broke his own record because of uh, some of the teams he's had in the past, whether that be in D.C. Well, not New York. It, that wasn't a very good stay, but uh, L.A. certainly was a great team. But, okay, I mentioned it earlier, Hercules Gomez, basically a Las Vegas native. So there's a lot of reasons to bring him on the program. Uh, he, he's currently uh, in, I believe, Los Angeles. I'm going to have to ask him in a second. Let me just ask him now. Let's bring him in. Nice to see you, my friend. Uh, you look great. That's the home studio. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's the home studio. I'll, I'll move it a little so you can see. It's good to always uh, see you, Eric. This is the home studio here in Hermosa Beach, you. California. Wow. And then there's the TV setup. So you guys think I'm in a studio, but I'm at home. Uh, and I do my yeah, I do my hits from here, which is always nice. Uh, you know, lets me stay connected to the family and not have to worry about things. And, well, we're still in a pandemic, so it makes things a lot easier. Well, is that what inspired this? Because I, I, I asked you before we came on just now, uh, I thought you were in Bristol. How long were you in Bristol, and how long have you been back to California? So 
I was in Bristol, um, as you know, uh, and many of the viewers probably don't know, is ESPN is located in Connecticut and Bristol's the hub. So that's like the headquarters. Right. And as soon as I retired after MLS Cup, um, December 2016, January, I was hired or it was made official, me with ESPN, and they moved me out to Connecticut. So my wife and I spent two very good years in Connecticut. My daughter was actually born in Farmington, the UConn hospital there. And then shortly after my second year, this opportunity came about to host a, a show here in Los Angeles and pretty much do the same thing I was already doing in Bristol. And because of the, I guess, arrangement of like, hey, we still need you to not only host that show, but to be part of different things like on ESPN Deportes, like, you know, Sports Center and Picante. And at the time, there was a whole bunch of other shows that Deportes had available. They're like, we're going to give you a home setup. And literally, they started setting it up right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit. And it was like, now yeah. these things are kind of the, the the norm, you know? Yeah, I, I remember I used to have a studio uh, in my house. But I mean, for, for those of, of, of you who have never been to Bristol, and we, we, we were talking about Bristol Connect, that's where ESPN is. It's It, it really has nothing there. There's like five places to eat. And then there's the elevator shaft that I mean, they're just like this, this elevator making company that has, it's, that's all I remember of, about that place. I, I've spent so much but time. ESPN, I mean, you, you know what ESPN is like, it's like, I mean, it's like a university. There's right. like 16, 17 buildings. There's a big cafeteria. There's like a credit union that you have your own daycare. I mean, there's like 3000, 4000 employees and they had their own daycare offsite, like a block away. Right. So it's like, it's its own little village. Um, and it was my first time living in the East Coast within the United States because I'd lived in Toronto. But it, listen, I don't know what your experience was uh, was like in the East Coast in Bristol or, or Connecticut, but I absolutely really enjoyed it. My wife and I lived in West Hartford and it's a quaint little town. I'm sure right. you know it, Eric. But for those of you who don't, it's I got to enjoy it. You yeah. know, the different seasons, you know, the fall, winter. I'm a, I'm a West Coast kid. You know, I I was born in L.A. and I grew up in Vegas, so having snow come uh, October, December was was very foreign to me. But I, we, we enjoyed all that stuff. All right. So where's your wife from? Because it, let's face it, it's really come down to her. Did, how did she You're right. acclimate yes. to, to all that? She must be happy to yeah. get home or is she is missing the weather? Well, too? see, home for her. I met her when I was playing uh, at Santos. So home for her is northern Mexico. Oh, wow. oh, okay. But we've enjoyed. Yeah, she's been with me since, wow, 2012. So, yeah, going on. Uh, going on 10 years soon. So we, we've enjoyed lots of trips, lots of different uh, experiences together. San Diego, Monterrey, you know, Puebla, Toronto, Seattle, West Hartford, LA now. Right. It's been it's a lot of fun, but you're right. You're absolutely right. It all depends on what they <laughs> But that's, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm in Vegas. You know Vegas well. You just mentioned that. You grew up here. You went to Las Vegas High School. It, it's, it's a town that I would have never thought maybe 30 years ago that this would a place I would call home, but I love Las Vegas. I love. You so called much. it home 30 years ago, didn't well, you? I, Did mean, you know? I would have. I, I, was, I bought a house once I became a soccer player. I had a little bit of money, didn't yeah. know what to do. And my accountant said, hey, it's a non state tax. And if, if, if the government's going to get you right. at all, they're going to get you through state tax. So let's move there. And that's, and that's when I, I moved out here. I moved to Candy Gate Country Club, played, you know, I was a big golfer. So. That was, uh, that's where I, I started this love affair, but it's, it's really good to be here. Now, look, th this is part of my, my purpose today is to schedule your trip, to the, your return to Las Vegas. So I, <laughs> I got a hit list of things that I, I need to ask you. Are you a golfer? Do you golf at all? Because the golf here is amazing. But I'm It is amazing. 
Yeah. How good are you? Because I'm, I'm not a golfer as of yet. Yeah, but all those boys at ESPN, I mean, they all like to brag about how good. Who's the best golfer over there at ESPN? There's a, there's a couple. But Taylor thinks he's pretty wow. good, right? You know, what about, what about the rest of them? So I've heard Taylor's really good. I've heard Craig Burley's you, really yeah, good. Yeah, so I heard Craig likes to play, but if you've heard that Taylor's good, you probably heard it from Taylor. So that doesn't count. <laughs> That's not. Uh, but so, wait, so golf no. is not something you do a lot? I, I mean, because I can scratch that off the list. It's something I would like to do. Okay. It's, not, it's something I don't have the time to do at the moment. Listen, I got a 10-month-old and a 4-year-old, and you know how that is. I don't got to tell you. You've got, <laughs> what is it, six of them? I got six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so, why I so checked. It, yeah, I was six. But. Yeah. So it's something I eventually would like to, to uh, add to my repertoire. But, yeah, as far as ESPN golfers, I've heard Taylor's really good. Uh, I've heard Craig's really good, but all those guys, Dan Thomas, Moreno, uh, Shaka Hislop, Stevie Nichol, they all dabble and enjoy. And I've yet to really commit myself to to go out there and, and do something, but I, I need to, I need to carve yeah. out a time because uh, the few times I've done it, I've enjoyed it. Okay. So here's what we'll probably do. I'll put this on the list. We'll go to Top Golf when you're here. Cause it's here. It's right down the street. Yeah. And then that way we can go, we can probably watch a game and just, you can work on your swing. So that's. That's there we go. step one. Now, the wife is, it's going to be the winter time, so we don't have to talk about pools and all that stuff, but she's going to need a pedicure, right? She's going to have to, a little spa day. She needs her mommy alone time. So, you, yeah, you know, that's my, what I'm my parents are, yeah, my parents are in Henderson, so they can take the oh, kids beautiful. for a bit. She can have her day. All right. Yeah. So, actually, so it's not just, you know, the two of you coming in. You can actually bring the kids, drop them off with grandma and grandpa, and then have yeah. a day. And a, there okay, you go. That's how you do it, by the way. Very smart. <laughs> Very smart. And you're only on two, though. You only have two kids, right? We're on two, and if you ask my wife, that's where it ends. So that's, really? uh, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so you're not it, going, you're not going from man to man six. to zone defense. That's not something in the No, in the no, no. I, why would anybody go to zone defense? I've got an issue <laughs> with zone defense. <laughs> why does anybody want to go zone, zone defense? Zone defending like, doesn't work, especially on corners. No. no. <laughs> zonal marking doesn't work, and neither does the mixed zonal marking. What you do is you go man to man, and I don't care if you're the smallest guy on the field versus the tallest guy on the field. You should never get beat. All right, so what kind of a dad are you? What kind of a, you, you, you seem so hands-on. And yesterday when we talked, anyway, I, I can't remember when we talked, but you had the 10-month-old in your yeah. hands. Yeah, you had the 10-month. So, yes. I mean, this job, and I had it for a long time, being able to be at ESPN and Fox, you do get a lot of time to be with your family. Yeah, and that's, are you like the, the hands-on dad? Do you do the dishes? Well, do you clean? Like, what, what kind of dad are you? Yeah, dishes are my priority. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's me right there. You're going to stay be, married a long time. That's good. That's a great move. Yeah. <laughs> So because of my commitments with ESPN Deportes, I'm Monday to Friday with the show. And it gets, yeah. I mean, it gets pretty time consuming because, Eric, you know this. Like, let's say you do a 30-minute show. Your actual prep time is not 30 minutes. There's an right. actual, there's a lot of prep time that goes in behind it. And and I was, I'm fortunate enough right now we're in the Spanish show. Um, it's an hour long and we do all sports. And not only is it all sports, but it's like a younger show. So they do pop culture. They do music, movies. Right. We get to interview a bunch of cool people. Like, Honestly, since I came here to LA, I've interviewed Tyson Fury, Mike Tyson. I've been, inter- we've interviewed Akon. We've interviewed Dana White. We've interviewed all the UFC champs, uh, Triple G. Uh, I've got to interview Kaylian Mbappe. So like the, you get all kinds of different right. people that you get to, to Mark Duplass from the morning show. So that's been really cool, but it's a lot of prep time. And so hands on in and around. Uh, the box. As soon as you're in the box, which is that time zone, yeah. like I'm in the room and my wife, God bless her, she's doing her thing. I come back out and it's like, here you go. And I'm sure you know what this one is. Oh, <laughs> that's great, though. 
I mean, I, I, I love being a dad. That's like, that's, if, if, it, if I ever describe myself, I, I think I would go dad first. But man, that sounds pretty cool. You're not turning into Mario Lopez on me here, are you? With all the interviews. <laughs> no, 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 I don't got them dimples. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to stay afloat. <laughs> you are enjoying it, though. Cause you, I, I'm going to take you back. Do you remember when we worked together at Fox, you were doing like that, uh, you were trying to get your feet wet and... and we had yeah, that, we Pope had America. Exactly. 2016. Exactly. I remember I, exactly. Are there, and I, I would say this. Um, we walked out of there, and I, I was talking to some of the producers. I might have been t- talking to a guy named Jason Wormser, because we would have a lot of guys coming on trial. But you could tell right away that you're going to be good at this, and, and you do a, a fantastic yeah. job. You really do. I, I appreciate that. I don't know if you remember that, but so one day I did like studio, and it might have been like, I don't know. It was there weren't big teams playing when I was working studio. And the next day, I did another game that wasn't big. It was like uh, Bolivia versus um, Peru in Seattle, and I called that with Mark Followell behind, you know, right. a TV screen off monitor and everything. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was my first time ever doing anything. It's not like somebody comes in and I mean Shaw Brown. You know, he came in and he helped me out a lot. But it's not like you get actual training and then you get training for months and you get like a preseason and it's like, hey, there you go. Yeah, let's see what you can do. It's like kind of like, all right, let's see if the kid can can swim, you know. And I did that, and yo, know, first game, I'm sure, tons of airs, tons of awkward moments, whatever uh, you may think of it. The next day, I'm working a studio show, and it happened to be a, a day where it was Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Mexico Uruguay, I believe this game, and and I was working studio show, and midway through the studio show, uh, David Neal, one of the execs at Fox, comes down, and he's like, hey, uh, so you're off your game tomorrow. Uh, I want you to stay here in the studio. And I just remember like this, I had this blank stare and I was just like in my head, like I was terrible at calling a game. They took me off the game. <laughs> I was so bad. They took me off the game. And he's like, you understand what that means, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing the game, but I'll be here. And he could just kind of like walks away. And later, you know, as the day goes, uh, Shaw Brown comes up to me. He's like, no, this is a good thing for you. Yeah, <laughs> you did, I... It wasn't, you did bad. You did good here. Oh, that's so true. It, it was yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen everybody come through. I mean, at least you, at least you never I mean, remember the guy that his name was Evenshitz. Uh, he played for Seattle. Remember that? And, and nobody yes, wanted to yes. say his name. Uh, and and unfortunately, when Brian McBride was with us, he said Ziggy Shits, and he didn't mean to oh, say no. that. Oh, so I mean, I've seen and I and, oh. right, and, and so he and he he turned purple on on national television, and I tried to talk him off the ledge, but that was probably one of the, that was probably one of the funnier ones. And Bruce Arena was on the, on that show, who Bruce was just like. I'm not going to say that guy's name. Forget about it. It was, it was, it was like one of the <laughs> How come everybody shows? has a Bruce Arena imitation? Oh, I yeah, feel yeah. like everybody, every generation has their Bruce Arena guy. Like there's you, you got the Bruce Arena one. And then there's like Pablo Mastrani, there's yeah. Brian Dunseth. Yeah. Every generation has their Bruce Arena imitation. Jesse Marsh does it better. Jesse Marsh does a better Bruce than Bruce. And he can also do Bob because Bob Bradley is, is also his own thing. Cause he goes, eh, you know, cause ta T a H apparently is a word when he, when you talk to Bob, ta, cause <laughs> to say that, you know, that it becomes a thing and, and you just, you get caught up in it. So it's, I, I, I'm, I'm a stone's throw away from Bob over here. So I'm going to, yeah, just I'm be careful the fifth on that one. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. Cause you, since you guys are neighbors, is he under pressure right now? This doesn't, I mean, I'm watching it from the outside, and I, I, we had a relationship with the Las Vegas Lights, so I, would, I was privy to a lot of things that were going on last year. Um, a lot of those guys like Rossi and whatnot, they were promised uh, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to sell you, and then the pandemic hits, and all these guys are still there. And now you've got, yeah. you got a grumpy group, 
and Bob's uh, Bob's not figuring out how to get results. So, so what, what do so you think? So I would say Bob Bradley in any other situation um, around the world, that that coach would be under pressure, absolutely. But this is Bob Bradley in this market, the U.S. market, and if L.A. doesn't want him at the end of this season, I, I think Bob Bradley has a job. I think it's the Chicago Fire. Mm. I really do, or maybe even Toronto FC. I, I think he can go directly into the next market seamlessly. So, so no, that's not under pressure. And also, uh, you have to start asking yourselves what's going on behind the scenes because we can go back to the inception of OS LAFC and Laurent Simon, the captain, gets shipped away. Walker Zimmerman, you know, defender of the year, gets shipped away. Uh, Tyler Miller, who was you know a very adequate goalkeeper, gets shipped away. You bring in his replacement in um the oh Ver Vermeer, Vermeer yeah. and he gets shipped away you know and it's just like one after the other sees Niega the goalkeeper and then it's like a tug of war of who's there now it's Blackman and it's like Betashore, Lee Wynn, Benny Falhaber, all these different players that have meant something to the club at some point or another are not there anymore and there's like so much turmoil and so much interchanging going on and so much rollover that if if I'm a fan I'm asking myself what's going on anybody that I've cared about as a fan is gone right. and also anybody who's been a pillar to the community or an actual good player has done something for me is no longer there so with all that turnover and you've mentioned the players like Diego Rossi just went to I believe it's Fenerbahce um, and now you're trying to get rid of Brian Rodriguez you sent him away second division Spain he came back uh, and now you have Chicharango and then you have all these different players and you're trying to fix and, and kind of piece the puzzle together and see how it goes like it's no it's no surprised to me that they're doing the way they're going the way they're going and then on top of all that Carlos Vela is in a contract year and for the last two years he's played less than half the minutes right. and he's got nine goals in two years and he's making 6.3 million dollars so we could point the finger at Bob all we want at some point we got to start saying like who's making these decisions and and you know what's really going on here because Bob as a coach you're only as good as the players you can work with and and he's not really had a lot to consistently work with. Mm -hmm. That's a fair point. I mean, John Thornton has got his hands full. I, I remember John uh, as a player, and I've, 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 we, we remained friends over the years. Uh, I actually talked, I, I believe it or not, I saw him in Santa Barbara way back when, playing in this like men's league thing. And he took his shirt off, and, I, and, and, he, and he looked really fit, right? And I, and I said, why'd you quit? What are you doing here? And, and he, had, he had constant injuries with L.A. And, and, and even at Chivas, and he was contemplating going back to school. And this, it, yeah. eventually he did. But I talked him into Chicago, and, and I'll never forget that. I, I called Dennis Hamlet and said, listen, I, I know that he just needs to change his scenery. He's going to be great. So that's my way of saying John Thornton owes me uh, – yeah, you're the reason John yeah, Thornton's GM him in now. Not <laughs> <laughs> the GM. He he did really well. To um, he speaks perfect Spanish, which which helps him a great deal. But going back to school was always uh, in the cards for him, and he is a smart executive. But to your point, with everything going on and all the turnover, we get to the end of this season, and it doesn't end uh, the way that they really want to, or they miss the playoffs, which it looks like it's going to happen. They got a lot of questions to 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 answer. But I I still think I'm I'm with you. I don't think Bob's uh, in, in too many, in, in too much hot water, if you if you will. So when you see him out in his yard, um, you know, or mowing his lawn, which I'm sure he never does, just say hi for me. I mean, like literally, how far away is he? Like a mile or what? He's like right down the street. So I, so I've run into, uh, I've run into the Kenny Arenas, the Bob Bradleys, the maybe, Dave Sarkins maybe of the world. And Cause Sorber's always like ten steps behind. So oh, I run into Sorber all the time at the pier. Yeah, oh, I run okay. into these guys in the South Bay. 
So I don't know exactly where they are. I try to keep my distance. Uh, it's, you know, it's safer that way. You know, I, I love Bob. I love those guys. But, you know, it, you know how this how this is. It's all yeah. of a sudden they and I mean, they not like those guys, but they in a trim of footballers and coaches and, and maybe some team uh, execs want to turn into an us versus th- them kind of thing when you're talking about the press. And it's really weird because maybe yeah. they come from environments where that's the case, but not here in the U.S. If we're in England, if we're in Mexico, if we're like in a deep-rooted footballing culture, maybe that's the case. Well, I mean, look, we've seen it happen. A lot of turnover this year. The guys like Heinze, guys like Yapstam, they didn't work. It didn't it just right. didn't happen. And if you look at the, the standings right now in Major League Soccer, the top five coaches are all American. And if you could throw right. – and then Smith has been here long enough that it's, it, it seems like he's, he's still got the accent, but he's been here long enough uh, to acclimate, and he, he gets it. What, what is the criteria these days for a – a coach in, in, in Major League Soccer, Almeida's struggling. He, he can't seem to figure it out up there. There's, there's a lot of guys that just can't figure, get their arms around. What does it, what does yeah. it take to have success? Which, what are your thoughts so on that? You can, so you can try to be successful or you can try to entertain. Almeida's going to entertain. Losada, Almeida, they're the same breed. Like yeah. I, I called yesterday on our show, Football Americas, I called DC United the San Jose Earthquakes of the East. Okay. You know, because it's – I mean, same that's, same kind that's of story. Actually, that's, a pretty, you know, sto- I, that's a good analogy. I like that. Yeah, story store franchise, Argentine coaches who think the Bielsa way, who would much rather attack you at all, at all cost, uh, throw caution to the wind, and it's going to be a five three type of game, five four type of game. But rarely is that going to get you like postseason triumph or postseason glory. Right. You know, so you can go down that right way. You, you entertain and and you know bring in good players, sell good players, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. Or you can try to win, and and Gary Smith's a good good, I guess, uh, way about going going about this. Everywhere he's gone, at whatever level, he's been successful. It could be mild success, but he's done it. It's a gradual climb. You right. know? It's it's very difficult to play against. I played for him in Colorado. I know the system. He won in Colorado. He won in the USL. He's doing very well right now with Nashville. They're very just difficult defensively. And then you got coaches who really understand the league. And here's the worst part of it. Then you have execs, and you have people in their ear. You should look at this consulting firm. They can find you or help find you a coach in this part of the world. Look at this Norwegian coach. He's the Norwegian, you know, Pep Guardiola or the Norwegian or Scandinavian Mo or whatever. Look at this part of the world, uh, this player. And it's you're going about it the wrong way. Mm. You think what's good in Europe or good in South America will be good here. And then you get here and you realize or they realize, like, wait a second, this this isn't what I thought it'd be. What do you mean salary cap? What do you mean TAM? What do you mean rules? What is GAM? <laughs> right. Yeah, like, what do, you, what do you mean I got to get these players under the cap? What do you mean this contract affects the next? What do you mean I can't pick up his option because there's a player behind him with a lower option that makes more sense for us to fit into the cap? And then it's and then, and then it just snowballs from there, yeah. and one bad error becomes a second, becomes a third, becomes a fourth, and then you got to – You've got Cincinnati, who's not won in I don't know how many games. And do, you, you've got... do you remember when their GM came out and said publicly, I think we're four or five transfer windows away from being a good team? At that point, you say to yourself, this guy really doesn't know how to do his job. He, he's, he's basically just buying time to, to, to keep asking the right questions to the appropriate people to get, to get to the end of this thing. But I think you're right. I think when you have to explain yeah. the rules to someone – and there, it's just such so different than what they're used to. It's like Rude Hulet all over again. He just didn't get it. it he, oh, that's 
He was yeah, like, dude, I, I, I can't go get this guy. Why not? And then the, then the explanation didn't make sense. You gotta, it's a uh, man. Oh, it's not Mansudo. Who's the GM of the Chicago fire? It's um, the guy that just left or the, the... no, the GM. Cause it was Raphael Vicky. They just left. Right. But no, the but GM, they, they lost their, their GM. No, they didn't. So right no, now, it's... right. Well, Frank Lopez is still there. Uh, he's still correct involved on, on some of these, the, 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 I guess not all the decisions, but some decision making. So whoever fired uh, Raphael Vicky, the name is escaping me right now, but he pretty much came out and, and like the way he went about it using Raphael Vicky's personal situation, yeah. like his father's illness as a reason to why they let him go. Like they were doing him a favor. It was just like the most ridiculous thing ever. But then you look at, like the actual sign, like Rafael Vicky's not going out and signing DPs. You look at the DPs, I think between the three DPs, they had something like seven goals and like four assists between the three. Those are your most important players. And you know, in this model, Eric, like if you don't knock it out the park with a DP, yeah. it completely affects you. You're behind the eight ball. Because uh, these are your most important players to take a huge chunk of that salary. So they need to be difference makers. Not only do they be difference makers, but they need to be on the field. Yeah. And if they can't be on the field, if they can't be getting you goals and assists, the GM's not, the sporting director GM, they're not doing their job. You need to completely knock it out the park. When we talk about median salaries in Major League Soccer, they're inflated because these players inflate that salary. So if you want to be successful, you have to knock it out the park if you use these slots. And if not, give you the money. Make it all TAM players. Make right. it all players that make between, you know, 600 and 800,000, whatever you can until you fill that up, you fill that void, but make it a competitive team. If you want that DP, they absolutely need to knock it out the park. And a lot of these GMs, a lot of these execs in the league, they rely on these consulting firms to help them and they don't knock it out the park. Yeah. Uh, they don't get, you can't, they don't you can't understand get it wrong. the fan. You're, you're absolutely right. Matt right. Jordan was, was a good example of that. I think if Cincinnati was a good recovery, getting Chris Albright, because Here's a guy that's actually shown that he knows the system. He knows how it works. He knows what it takes yeah. to win in this league. And he had great success with Jimmy Curtin in Philly. So that's a, that's a better fit. But that's like going – that's like two completely mindsets. But they're finally getting it back on track. All right, well, before I let you go, I do have to ask you, because I did hear you – two things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about Jesse Marsh and sure. Greg, Greg Berhalter. But you really th – I heard you say that you think his passport's going to hurt him. What did you mean by that with the Jesse Marsh? Because most recently, Jesse was doing his interviews in German. It was fantastic. It was a horrible accent. But okay. it was still, the effort, <laughs> the effort was terrific. But what, do you still feel so, that way? Do you think that hurts him? So let me ask you a question. You've been abroad. Mm -hmm. You know what? And, and obviously different times. But you know the perception by Europeans towards Americans. Absolutely. It, it's not the most – yeah, it's not the most positive one in the world when it comes to football. Uh, and that's what I mean by it. the same way that if you're anywhere in the world and you have a Brazilian player and then you have a Costa Rican player, you're more inclined for the Brazilian right off the bat because to you that's more of a footballing culture. Right. It, it's just these these little uh, things that subconsciously they go for immediately. And, and I, Derek Ray, our colleague here at ESPN, has been adamant about the fact that sometimes he needs to be less rigid in his approach, uh, less un-American in the way he's unapologetic about things and maybe smooth things over for, for the Germans. Uh, Jesse's an OBS kind of guy, which I love. Uh, but you know damn well the first time he's having any type of struggle in the Bundesliga and the Champions League, they will equate it to the American is not ready. And we saw this with Bob Bradley in the Premier League. We've seen this with other players uh, when they go abroad. The benefit of the doubt is not given. That's what I meant. And I'm sure 
I don't know if you've had these experiences in Europe where because of your past, because you're American, the benefit of the doubt to you was not given. That's what I mean by that. So it's almost like they have to prove themselves double. I think it's it, it was always going to be a challenge for that very reason. I mean, back in my day, man, we only had three foreigners on the team. And only yeah. three were allowed to play at a time. And, you know, there was always this constant influx of Romanians, Yugoslavians, Bulgarians that would play for half of my salary and were, t- and were literally coming after my job. There's only three of us. So those guys you know, usually right. limped out of practice. And that was just the way it was. Yeah, if you, we're not going to let you get a job. But I, you had to fight for every single inch and every bit of respect. So that, I, I'm in agreement with that. Now, where are we with Greg Berhalter? I have heard so many different versions of what their definition of success is. Uh, I think I was listening to you guys. Who, who's there? Who's there? What do you mean? Who's there? Like you said, their version or definition of success. Yeah, who, who so are we talking yeah, about? If, if you go to, it's it's this isn't uh, this isn't like Fox and CNN, but if if you go to ESPN and you go to to Fox and you listen to where we are, like a Stu Holden's uh, in, in, you know impressions about where this is going, or maybe even Alexi, who's just trying to get a, a you know a rise out of everybody, and then you go back over and you and, and we 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 try to, to maybe in an analytical way look at. I think ESPN does a better job of that. But I think the, the, the reality is, is if you're going to give him a grade right now, what do you give him? One out of ten. What, what are we giving uh, Greg Berhalter? Seven. Yeah. We're giving him a seven, no, which is like a C, right? Yeah, I, I think that's – yeah, it's a fa- – I think, I think, look, I think if we're looking at it that way, like a C, then I'm, I'd probably give him a B. But if – I'd give him in the 80 percentile. But the, yeah. the, the thing is, and what, what, what doesn't irk me, and it's not because I, I – like uh, I like Greg as a as a person, I just know how hard that job is, and people don't oh, realize. Trust how, me, I'm like, sure it's very difficult. I'm sure it's very very difficult. Which is why it's a C. Uh, if you look at the U.S. men's national team and everything that happened that transpired from that failed World Cup attempt to the time Greg Berhalter actually took the job, right. you're talking about 13 plus months going on a 14 months without a coach. And then the pandemic comes. You can't plan for a pandemic. I understand these things. Um, But we love to talk about how young this team is, how inexperienced they are. Do you know who the most inexperienced is on this team? It's not the guy who's on the bench trying to get on the field versus City. It's not the guy who's, you know, the number six at Leipzig. You know, it's not the guy who's who's the number 10 at Chelsea. It's not the guy who's uh, coming off the bench for Lille or the guy who's at Olympique or the guy who's vying for minutes you know, in the Austrian league, it's Greg Berhalter who came from the Columbus crew and his success in major league soccer was a runner's up medal with the Columbus crew. He's the most inexperienced piece when we're talking about the U S men's national team. So now you have a very inexperienced piece with a very inexperienced group trying to navigate a new system, the, the octagonal, uh, eight teams trying to qualify for the world cup after missing the World Cup. So maybe it's unfair pressure on him, but context matters. How he got the job, yeah. who was in charge, who his right. brother was, how everything happened today. And listen, I think Greg's a great guy. I've had discussions with Greg. I've ex- if, uh, exchanged emails with Greg. You know, he's been respect, nothing but respectful. Yeah. Um, I think he's a very good person. I think he treats the players very, very well. But I could care less how the coach treats the players. I want to see these players... Put, be put into the best possible situation to succeed for the national team. So you're telling me how difficult this job is. Well, then I want somebody who's 
experienced in this job. I yeah. want somebody who, who, without a doubt, I feel knows exactly what they're doing on this job and not learning on the job in a qualification process. And maybe that's unfair to Greg, but I don't think that's asking for too much in, in a, a cycle where you just come off of one that you didn't qualify. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you. There. I think, I think you alluded to it a little bit, me, how he got the job, the circumstances of his brother's role and all that. That doesn't help because I feel like there's a faction of, of America. Well, I'm not saying he got it in no, no, a wrong no, no. way. I'm just I, saying I'm there's, context but, matters. But, but the, the other part of that, which, which there's this angry group out there that didn't like the circumstances of how he got the job. So they just find it impossible to actually say, good job, coach. That's like the one thing they can't right. say, which, which, is, Correct. Which, which is a little bit um, – it's, it's discouraging. It's not fair to him. Like, let's give him credit where it's due. Like, I think his dual national team uh, process has been one of the best. Like, I, I really give him credit with the way he goes about handling dual nats. I, I think it's, it's tough, yeah. genuine. Yeah, I, I think it's not a, it's a delicate situation. Uh, you're talking about identity with individuals, and, and, and now you're throwing it into a, a major rivalry within uh, the footballing area. And I think he's gone about it the right, w- or the right way. He's let these players kind of figure it out and, and be nurtured to make their own decisions, not pressured. Nothing's been promised to him. So I love that approach about him. Uh, but there are some flaws. There are some learning curves with Greg Berhalter, and it's a reality. I mean – after what he did in Panama, I'm sure the next game he's going to think twice about, okay, if I make so many changes, so many wholesale changes, how can I do it so it doesn't affect the team in this way? Yeah. You know, uh, maybe the, don't the look The next one's a big one. Panama. <laughs> so we've got, right. we've got Mexico <laughs> next. And the one thing that Greg has been unable to do is to get it right from the start. That is something that I think most of us, uh, you know, we're always scratching our head at halftime. It's a great thing to be able to make adjustments and then to eventually win the game. But, you know, it, it's, it, it would be better for us to, to, to know that we're going into... Maybe, into, maybe two halves, right? Play. Yeah, got, well, I know. Uh, but I, Jamaica, Jamaica and Costa Rica. And even then, like Jamaica, honestly, red card uh, on Paul Ariola. Um, uh, Kamar Lawrence should have been sent off for my money. Uh, yeah. so, that, so you could say the U.S. was in control there. And then the second or the first uh, half of, of the game versus Costa Rica, even though... To me, it was very important how they responded. And, and you know this, like, team character, like, team identity, who you are, that's revealed not when things are going great. Yeah. No, it's when things go south. And they went south a minute in. And they showed a lot of resiliency, a lot of character, kind of battled back from that game and, and did well. And that was probably their best performance. But even then, think about it. Even then versus Costa Rica, their best performance, Brian Reese, is he's, if he's five years younger or if he's got anything left in that tank, that's a goal after Miles yeah. Robinson gives that away. You know, the the end when Saborio, who's my age, 39 years old, comes into the game with Bolaños and there's ping pong in the box. Uh, that's a dangerous play against on a dead ball. Like that could have been, you know, a game where they drop points again. So even then, there are still some things you have to iron out. All right. So how do you think this all ends up? United States qualifies first, second, or third? Yes. Second. So I have, I did this, we did this uh, on the show before the, uh, octagonal started. I have Mexico first, and so far they've just proven to be the the best team in Concacaf, uh, best and, and probably deepest. Because we have, and I shouldn't say we, the U.S. Men's National Team has <laughs> a lot of players that are in Europe. Doesn't right. mean they're good players. Doesn't mean they're great players. They're in Europe. You look at the right back situation, and Julian Araujo chose Mexico, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, Julian Araujo could have definitely made a run at that number two right back position because nobody's taking it away from Dest. But then you're like, well, that's very deep. It's not deep. It's just 
a lot of names. Mm -hmm. You have Joe Scali, you have Reggie Cannon, you have Shaq Moore, you have Julian Araujo if you want to throw him in there. You have Brian Reynolds, you know, uh, whoever you want, Flavor of the Month in Major League Soccer, add that in there. It's a lot of names. But besides Sergio Dest, nobody is really, and Giadrin Yedlin, nobody's really making a case for themselves. So Julian Araujo could be definitely in that mix. That one, that one sucked losing him. Uh, but just like I said, a lot of names. Doesn't necessarily mean they're quality players in Europe, even though they are very young players with a high ceiling. Right. You just Europe. mentioned about losing a player. Does what happens to Pepe? I mean, I mean, is it is it still possible for him to jump ship? Could he still go back to Mexico? No, it's it's it's, over, it's right? too late now. Yeah. I, so he plays against Mexico. It's over four games, I believe. So there's no going back there. Um, well, he did kiss the right crest now. after the goal. He kissed the crest. So I, I think. There's no going back. No, it's that. it's over. It's over. Okay. You can't go. I'm doing the math right now. Yeah, it's, it's it's over the four games that are allotted. But even then, that's such a great moment for for uh, dual nationals, Mexican Americans especially, which is one of the largest demographics here in the states, and in um, a very sought after consumer yeah. uh, within every market, every demographic. That's who they want to go for: the young millennial Latino. Ricardo Pepe is a reflection of this new era of, of aficionado, of fan. I see this all the time uh, online, on social media, on Twitter, where I have different fans who are communicating with me and talking about the U.S. men's national team, good and bad. And I look at the profiles and there's multiple flags. It's a Brazilian flag, American flag, Mexican flag, you know, U.S. flag. It's a, it's a Colombian flag, U.S. flag. It's a Portuguese flag, U.S. flag. There's a new revolution of the new fan, and it's much more sophisticated. Last, your, your mother's era, our, our, our yesterday era, yesteryear era was a soccer mom. Today, it's this new revolution of the sophisticated fan. Multiple teams in multiple leagues, and they can have a deep affinity for what is a different country, Colombia. They follow the Colombian national team, but the U.S. men's national team is my team. I follow them as well. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Mexico. So this new revolution of fan, Ricardo Pepe, to me, is like the one waving the flag for this new revolution. Like that's especially the Mexican-American. This is a guy who has the potential to be a superstar. Very raw. Very raw. But in the same way, Javier Hernandez was very raw. Yeah, and he's got this point. very confident way about him, almost cocky, borderline cocky I like and arrogant. It, I like it. Yeah. I, I, I do. Yeah, I do. but you want to have. Eric, what have you always been told? Act like you've been there. He acts like he's been there. Right. We, we were joking about this, I think, uh, the other day. We said 18 is the new 25. Uh, you're about to turn 40, so you understand that. So the 40 is the new 30. Uh, that's, I, it, it's, it's tough. I, I'm 50 now, so it's, 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 it's rough. But this kid uh, does represent um, a, a, a different kind of, of – I, I, I don't want to call it arrogance either – but that self-confidence that, that makes him special. But my question to you is how far does he take it? Where does he go? That's a great question, man. Uh, we had Jurgen Klinsmann on, on our show at Football Americas, and he brought up a very valid point. Like, think about this, Eric. Like, you're maybe a year out, 13, 14 months from the World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's say he goes somewhere like Wolfsburg, and he doesn't play. Does he keep that starting spot? That starting nine position, such a volatile position for the U.S. men's national team over the years. Does he keep it? I don't think it's a guarantee. So if he's not playing, his confidence goes down. If he's not playing, maybe the opportunity goes down. We saw it with Daryl Dike. You yeah. know? We've seen it with Josh Sargent, how, how confidence can come in waves. And you know this. You've played the position for, for years, and you know how important it is. So is staying in Major League Soccer more beneficial to him in the long term? Absolutely not. In the short term, to get to a World Cup? Maybe. 
Yeah. And, and he was saying like, maybe now is not the right time for him to leave. I don't think he goes somewhere and is an automatic starter. I don't think anybody around the world right now is going to say Ricardo Pepe is lighting up major league soccer with 13 goals and scored three goals in CONCACAF. I want him as my starter for Ajax, for Wolfsburg, for Dortmund. I don't think anybody in their right mind would make that investment and say, he's got to play right away. I think somebody would purchase him and invest in the long term. But to say like he's coming anywhere in the world right now and play, I think it's, you know, I think that's uh, that's not what we should sell people. Playing for him may be the best thing at the moment. If you can find a situation where he's got one guy he's got to battle off, go for it. Mm. I think if he believes in himself, he can do it. And if he's scoring goals in Europe, what better confidence is there? But that position to me is still not locked. Ricardo Pepe is of the moment. And you've been here. You've seen it before. Like Ricardo Pepe was of the moment. Juan Agudelo was of the moment. Yeah. You know, uh, right. all these other guys who have come before him were of the moment. Uh, you know, your era had a bunch of guys who were of the moment. My era had a bunch of guys who were of the moment. My era, three guys were of the moment. Went to the World Cup. It was uh, Edson Buttle, Robbie Finley, and myself. So this happens all the time in our circle. To keep him consistently going, he needs to find the right environment, and he needs to play. Yeah, play because that's all it is right now for him. He needs I, to play, but he needs to get better by playing. Klinsman's always been an advocate of guys going to the, the the best challenge or the biggest challenge, but but still aspiring always. Just chew your way up that totem pole. You have to figure out a way to earn your keep. And and sometimes when I mean, you look at Josh Sargent, you go to a a bottom feeding team and you're not getting chances, yeah. and you're and then you get a chance. You get past the keeper and you just try and pass it in the goal, and you. You're yeah, so, you're that's so confidence. Unsure yeah. of yourself that you try to be so safe that you leave it short. So it's it's I I, I worry about him. All right, well listen, I I appreciate. We got to do this again, but let me get some dates here. If I'm going to invite you guys out, is the first part of December so we can get some Christmas shopping? Is that a good good time? First part of December, you know I'm still this, here. Yeah, but you know I'm, how this is going to work. You're going to have to go talk to the wife about this. But you let me know. Send yeah. me a text and let me know when you want to come back to your old sounds, stomping sounds grounds. Good, man. We'll even go by and uh, take a look at uh, Las Vegas High School if you like. But either way, I'd love to see. Oof! It's, I'll tell you, there's still, there, there's two man. very good players that play there right now. I do it all the time. You know me; I'm always scouting, so I'm watching all the high school games with El Dorado or Palo Verde or, or Gorman, or whatever. I go watch everything. And there's two kids right now that are at uh, Las Vegas High School. Not bad, not bad at all. I watch Dude, it's, back it's, in my day, back in my day, there weren't very many players that came out of Vegas. Now. I believe there's a handful of players yep. in Major League Soccer. Danny Leva's one. Uh, Musovsky's another one. Uh, Tristan Blackman. Uh, Porter. Uh, there, there are a handful of players waving that flag, but there need to be more. And you've seen the area. It's, yep. it's rich in soccer, and it's, it's, it's rich in, in, in families moving from California, Arizona, New Mexico, whatever you want. It's a little hotbed that's just not been tapped. Yeah, there's so much talent here. I'll tell you this. My kid is 12 now. Uh, when, when, he, when we played in the Mexican leagues, which, which are on a Friday night, which most clubs don't engage, but sometimes we do, right? That's where my kid got better. There was yeah. just, there, this, he was about 10 years old. And I remember there was three or four uh, Mexican-American dads on the other side of the field saying, get Wero, get him. You know, and there, I was like, oh, my God, they're after my son. So I had to go and calm him down. Right. But my son, the competitiveness of those games, is far better than anything that, that you're going to get in a standard club game. And so we, we, we participated for about a year and a half, and then, of course, the pandemic hit and whatnot. But still to this day, that environment proved to me that there's just so much young 
talent in Las Vegas. Not, you know, it, almost comparable to L.A., but still, it's organized, and there's so many Hispanics, whether Hondurans or, or El Salvadorian players, that you just you watch them play and you say, this kid needs a pathway. Yeah. He, we got to get this yeah. kid. And Levo was a great one. I, I, I still uh, I think we're all very proud of him. But listen, man, I'll let you go. I know you got a busy day. Get back to that family, that beautiful family of yours. I will work on the schedule, and we'll get some shopping done. We'll, get to, uh, we'll figure out the golf and, and a pedicure. But uh, I'm hoping to see you soon. Uh, thanks, my man. I really appreciate the time. And like always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure talking to you, my man. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Always uh, an interesting chat with, uh, with, <laughs> with Hercules. I still think he's going to have three because he's a true striker. Strikers don't stop at two kids. They go for the hat trick. He's got to go for the hat trick. And I know he doesn't like man-to-man zone defense. But you're not a true parent in my eyes. I don't care who you are out there until you have three. Because that's when you start delegating. Three is when, it, when, it, when, it, when it's, it's on. I'm at six. So let me explain how this works. When you have your first child, and anybody out there has had their you remember this. You freaked out. You, 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 were, you were sterilizing everything. Every time they touched the ground, you were jumping up out of your chair just to save them from hitting the floor. Save that child. The second one, you don't get up anymore. You stay in your chair. And you watch from a distance. It's called distant parenting. And you, and you go, hey, don't touch that or you're going to get hurt. Ooh, you okay? Come here. Let me make that better. The third one is where it gets fun. The third one is when you're at a party and you go, hey, to the guy next to you or the, whoever's next to you, hey, watch this. My kid's about to get hurt. Oh, oh, you see that? That one, that one must have hurt bad. But you don't get up. He needs to have that third stage of parenthood before it's real. Anyway, um, here's, the, here's the unfortunateness of uh, all of, of, of podcasts and evergreen things like this. The, the, his interview was about a day and a half ago. Now, here's the problem with that. A lot has happened today in Las Vegas. Now, when I was uh, getting up this morning, I always listen to Ty- Tyler Bischoff, who, who does an ESPN show. Um, with another guy named Ed Graney. Ed Graney knows nothing about soccer, but Tyler Bischoff uh, here locally, he tries. You can, you can find him at 100.9 in between about, uh, I think, 7.30 in the morning until about 10.30. I don't, I don't know the exact time. I, it seems like when I'm dropping my kids off at school that he's always on. So check this out, Vegas. It looks like Bill Foley is not going to be interested in an MLS franchise. And that was revealed yesterday. So what that means is the owner-operator of uh, Vegas Golden Knights is not interested in having his own franchise here in Las Vegas. A lot of people think, okay, that's bad news. No, it's not. What that means is as things have progressed, just like I thought they were going to progress, at light speed. And Wes Edens, who is now, we all know, is the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, had been mentioned previously, had started doing silly things like reserving or copywriting names like the Las Vegas villains because he is also the owner operator or majority owner of Aston Villa. So that made sense. So that, you know, villains, Villa, even you get it. But this guy, we couldn't have, this city could not have a better, a better owner in West. So in these conversations with that, that they're having, they're, they're mainly just going off of the, you know, the release and, and they're just kind of speculating, but a couple of things were revealed. A piece of land, 
off of Blue Diamond and Warm Springs has been identified. When that happens, when they actually tell you where the land is, we're really, really close. So let me give you an idea what, this, what that means, because you're probably saying those are two uh, streets that, you don't, you don't, that doesn't really you know, register with you because you don't know Vegas. But when you're coming into Vegas on the 15 from Los Angeles, which is usually, the, for most people, the entry point. What the, what, now when you, you drive into Las Vegas, what you see is Allegiant Stadium. It's almost like you can't imagine coming into Las Vegas without it being there. It's like the, the Death Star just landed there, and there's this beautiful building that we all uh, know and love now. The piece of land that we're talking about for the soccer operation would be just to the right of it. So instead of the first thing you see, that you see when you come into town being Allegiant, it's going to be this soccer stadium if all goes well. And again, a couple weeks ago, I said Vegas is different. It's uh, no offense to Cincinnati or Minnesota or, or Nashville. It's not going to take these guys very long to get their act together. It will happen fast. It won't be, oh, we'll see you in 2024. They're like, well, no, we're ready. Let's go. Turnkey. And I think we're almost there, which is really, really exciting news. And on that program with Tyler Bischoff, Sisolak was on the, on the program. Steve Sisolak, the governor of our state. Now, I, I didn't know this until he said it, but this started to make a lot of sense to me. When he was when asked about the MLS franchise coming to Las Vegas, oh, he said, oh, yeah, I know Wes really well. He's the great owner. I mean, because we're both from Milwaukee. We're both from Milwaukee. That was the key phrase in all of that. Outside of the fact, oh, I talk to him all the time. Why would the governor of Nevada be talking to an owner of Milwaukee even prior to all of this talk? Because they're buddies. And guess what? When they're trying to figure out how to build a stadium, it's a good guy to know. Las Vegas is going to have an MLS team before you know it. It's not, just close your eyes, go to bed, wake up, and it'll be there. It'll be just like the Allegiant Stadium. And I couldn't be more thrilled. I could not be more thrilled. And the other part of this, and the reason why this is going into warp speed, is because some of you might remember uh, the name Dave Cavill. Now, Dave Cavill is now, well, used to be the president of the San Jose Earthquakes. And then he made the move to the Oakland A's, and he is the president of the Oakland A's. He's been in, engulfed in this, in this huge effort to try and figure out a, a new home for the Oakland A's. And Las Vegas was top of the list. We, they're not going to get any help. They're going to have to completely privately fund that, which they don't want to do. So I think they, they've leveraged that to, to get involved with other cities. And I don't think Vegas wants a baseball team as much as they want a soccer team. So... Here we go. Great job, Don Garber. Great job, Sisolak. I love all of you. If you can somehow figure out a way to put that damn stadium in my backyard before I die, that would be great. But I am actually really, really, really excited about this because this town, and I've said this before, deserves an MLS team. We had the, the, uh, the Gold Cup here. The Gold Cup final was here. You, you, you kind of see what's going on with the Raiders if you, if you noticed when the Eagles scored, it was louder than when the Raiders scored, which was really weird, which means the Eagles actually travel well. That is all a part of the logic. People that come here to see sporting events are going to drop some money, and it does great things for the local economy here. So a soccer team would make sense. A baseball team, not so much. We like our aviators. We like those guys. Used to be the, uh, the 51s used to operate out of Cashman Stadium where I used to hold my post. So I sat at the same desk as Larry Boa. Now that's just cool. 
That is just very cool. The reason why I told that whole long drawn out story is because I had Hercules Gomez on the line and then this happens and I didn't get to ask him. So I apologize for not being able to involve him in that conversation, but it gives us a great reason to reconnect. I think we're already looking into dates of December as is, so I'm going to bring him and uh, the wife and the kids out here. And I don't think I'm going to take him golfing. I can't stand playing golf with somebody who sucks. It's, it, it, it's just horrible. So I'm not going to do that. We'll figure out something else to do. And there's plenty of stuff to do. But golf will not be on our agenda. But let's get Herc back. We'll get him in December. Everything will have probably progressed a hell of a lot more by the time we get into December just before Christmas. So he will be on our slate uh, in the very, very near future. But as for this, this today's podcast, I want to thank him. He's, he's a fantastic guy. What I didn't bring up on or in the interview was when he first started with the broadcasting idea, he was with me. I was the guy that had to break him in, and I had to watch, just glance over and see him shaking because he didn't know what the hell was going on. And to see where he is now is fairly terrific because he does a great job. He has his thumb on the pulse of, of some of the leagues that we actually care about that don't get enough exposure, mainly La Liga and, and the Mexican leagues. I mean, I'll tell you, I love talking to him. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. I can't wait for the next one. But that is, you know, the way these things work is you can't go too long. So stay tuned with Las Vegas MLS. It's going to happen. It's happening quicker than most of you thought. And I get to do that. I told you so because I told you three weeks ago, here we go. It's just a waiting game now. They've already, they already know where they're putting this thing. They know where the land is. They're already way, way into the contract negotiations. At least that's what my sources are telling me. So I couldn't be more thrilled. I'm not going to say welcome to the league just yet, but Las Vegas will be in Major League Soccer before you know it. One more reason for me to stay. Not going anywhere. But this show, unfortunately, has come to an end. I know that you guys have uh, ADD like me, so you don't have the attention span, and the, I can't go over 50 minutes. So that's it for today. We will hear you next time Can, and continue to be good human beings out there. Take care of each other. Love each other. Love this game. Love this sport. Because it, it, it gives so much back. And, and have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy everything that's about to happen over the weekend. And hopefully we won't be talking about Gunner. Well, maybe. I mean, that's a good story. Maybe Zidane comes in. Who knows? Maybe Conte actually gets the job at Manchester United. Who knows? I'm kind of rooting for Manchester United to get their act together and win. But the last part, part piece I'll tell you is those guys on that team, they don't like the training, and they're talking. Bad sign. If the trainings are not good enough and the players are getting bored, they start talking, and, you, and if you're a coach, you start packing. And that's how it works. All right, I already said goodbye, but I'm saying goodbye again. We'll hear you next time.